God bless you all. How are we doing this morning? <clears throat> I thank all of you that uh, helped uh, facilitate in Angie sharing a dynamic message last week. Uh, just heard uh, great reviews on that. Thank you for all of you that had helped uh, facilitate the church. And, and what a tremendous blessing my wife and I were able to, to get away uh, for a week and um, see the sun. You know, the sun does still shine. Uh, and it's shining brighter and brighter in Minnesota. <laughs> it's a prophetic declaration. But I really felt God spoke to me, and this may be a standalone message, but it really gave me a word, and, 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 and partly he rebuked me when I was down there. And uh, so I'll just hear a little bit about that. Is that okay? But I really, this is not going to be like a three-point message. I may be scattered all over the place, but I do have one, one theme that I feel the Lord would like to to get across to us today. Amen. So let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that you are still speaking today. You are still an almighty God. And you care about us. You care about this place. You care about each family. You care about uh, the future of America. You care. And Lord, we humble ourselves before you. And we entreat you today. And Lord, we say we have ears to hear what your spirit will say to us. Now speak, Lord. Speak through me. Give to your people what they need here today. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, <clears throat> amen, amen. You know, I want to talk to you about having heaven's perspective. Having a heavenly pers perspective on our life. Now you may think, wow, where did he cut and paste that picture? And I took that picture. That's a pretty good picture, actually. And so we were on the beach, and uh, actually we were on the west coast for a while, Florida, and then went to the east coast, and it was a, sun, it was a sunrise. It was sunrise. So, uh, and, and, and I just thought, what a beautiful picture. I said, Ronald, let's just stop. I put our two cups of coffee down, and took that picture, and it was just beautiful. And uh, I, I've subtitled this message, you know, what do you see? God's perspective. And about believing God's perspective over your life and your family, and so while I, after I took that picture, then I, I asked Rhonda, uh, this is kind of embarrassing on my part, but I said, honey, what do you see when you look at the ocean in the waves? And the first thing out of her mouth is she said, I love it. And she does. She really, she loves the ocean and the beach. She said, it's so peaceful. And she said that God determines the waves to go so far and stop and it ends right on the sandy beach shore. And it does that day in and day out. And, and even at night, she cracked the door, you know, the window open because we were able to hear the ocean. And, and, uh, and I thought, you know what? Actually, she's right. There's numerous scriptures. I thought of one, Job 38. He says, I placed the boundaries on the sea and set a bolt and doors and said, thus far shall you come, but no farther. And here shall your proud waves stop. Proverbs 8, 29, he says, when he set for the sea its boundary so that the water would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. And I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful, but that's not what I was thinking. Now, this is going to reveal a little bit about me, and some of you, you may laugh, but I was thinking or seeing, you know what, what if there was a massive earthquake? I mean, and then there's a tsunami that starts to come. 
this is what's going through my mind in this moment. <laughs> I'm sorry I disappointed you, but, and, and so I'm just thinking, would I, would we be fast enough, come on somebody, to get back to our hotel? Now we're on the seventh floor, would that wave stop it? Because it's a concrete building, and all of this is going through my mind in that moment. How beautiful of a picture. Uh, how many of you know that you got two people seeing two different things looking at the same picture? And God rebuked me. And I'm going to get to that in a moment. I was seeing dread in that moment, like, what could we do? Would we be fast enough? And she saw the hand of God. Friends, in America today, people are seeing two different things. They are either seeing dread, fear, the whole country going into collapse, and other those are faith-filled, and they see from the eyes of faith. I want to talk to you about seeing from God's perspective. Can I get an amen? You know, there's a scripture uh, that talks about in Isaiah 41. It says, do not fear anything. Do not fear anything, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured, I will help you. You, personally, I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand and hand of justice, hand of power and of victory and of salvation. Can somebody say amen? You know, I think of having heaven's perspective example. I uh, think of uh, the old evangelist who passed away, Reinhard Bonnke, tremendous evangelist. He actually spoke at my college graduation at Christ for the Nations. He was there. I was just, wow, what an honor to to, to hear this man and his daughter attended Christ of the Nations while I was there. And he was known as the Billy Graham of Africa. And uh, he passed away back in December 2019. He was 79 years old. He was a German-American Pentecostal evangelist known for his gospel missions throughout Africa. He was saved at nine years old. Somebody shout nine. After, watch this, he did something that was wrong and his mom noticed and she said, you know what, that was sin. And that opportunity in that, she led him to Jesus. Now, this is nine years old. Think about this. And then he said, I got a call from God uh, to the African mission field before he was a teenager. It was actually around 10 years old, a year or so later after that. Now, just think about children's church here in this church. You got a guy who millions of people have come to Christ, got a call and basically, he would have been in children's church. How important it is for the local church to proclaim the gospel. Can I get an amen? So he pastored a very small church with his wife until about 1967. And then he stepped out in faith and started gospel crusades. And, and obviously, God was with him. The numbers grew from hundreds to thousands to actually millions. And then actually, I think it was a crusade in 2000. Six million people came in attendance. Six million people don't come unless God's there. <laughs> unless God shows up. It was in Lagos, Nigeria. And it's recorded that 79 million people have come to Jesus because of his ministry. Well, I shared all that to say this one point, that he was, he was invited to speak in a certain uh, country and city that was known for its darkness. It was known for its wickedness, its witchcraft. There was a lot of demonic uh, 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 incantations. Uh, there was a lot of wickedness, occult. 
they were doing animal sacrifice. And so the pastors begged, will you please come, Reinhardt, and do a crusade? And, and so as he flew in, and, and all these group of pastors, he's usually worked with a lot of churches, were just saying, uh, thank you, Reinhardt, for coming. And, 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 and do you feel the oppression? And I just want you to know that our, our city is just so uh, taken over by wickedness and, and the enemy, and, and it's so strong. There's all this witchcraft. And do you feel the presence of Satan? And he just chuckled. He said, hmm, I feel God. That's heaven's perspective. Did you hear that? I feel God. In other words, I feel God wants to do something in the midst of total darkness. That's the God we serve. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Believe in God. Believe in God in the midst of gross darkness. So I'm going to jump around here, and I think of the declaration of, uh, uh, of, uh, of, that Peter had of Jesus and, uh, and then I go, let, me just, let me just go to this verse. Oops, excuse me. Hopefully I didn't maybe bring that back if you would. Peter's declaration, it was in Matthew 16. Just going to highlight Matthew 16. And he, he says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, and he said, who do people say the Son of Man is? So Jesus throws out this question. Uh, question excuse me. He says, well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah, but one, or maybe one of the other prophets. That, that's the chatter that's out there. That's the social media feed of, a, of who you are. But then he asked them, who do you say I am? And I thought about that on the way back on the flight when I was thinking about that photo and thinking, Rhonda had a heaven's perspective. And man, I don't know, my mind was in the gutter somewhere. I was thinking crazy and she was thinking about the kingdom of God and the power of God. How many with me say amen? And, 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 and I thought about that. And, and Jesus asked the question to the disciples, who do you say that I am? In other words, Jesus is concerned what you think about him. Or I could say it this way. Uh, i say it this way, that Jesus wants to know what you think or what you want to see happen. Let me develop that here. He goes on to say, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. How many know that he probably felt pretty good in that moment? Right? But five verses later, Jesus calls him Satan. Literally. Get behind me, Satan. You don't savor the things of God, but of this world. In other words, you being led by man in man's opinion. How come five verses earlier, Jesus, the greatest statement about Christ, he is able to speak, and then a few verses later, we see his humanness. What that tells me is this. The right perspective comes from God. It comes from God. So in other words, as we draw near to God, as we get to know the Father, we will have heaven's perspective on earth and for our life. And many of you here today need a change of thinking. Amen? From a, a fear-filled catastrophe, it's all going down. We got to hunker down. Eggs are going to go up to a million dollars a dozen, you know? We have to change our perspective. You say, Pastor Mike, you have a head in the sand. No, I don't. I really believe God's perspective. And so uh, here's what I'm going to say about this. The right perspective is revealed and comes from God the Father in heaven. Or you could say this, that truth, somebody shout truth, is so hard today in the natural to find what's right. 
There are so many web pages, podcasts, videos that, hey, listen to this. This guy says that. Hey, did you hear this? Did you know this? They're doing this. Oh, my goodness. You can fill your mind with confusion and not truth. And that will affect your life. Watch this. Watch this. Very powerful statement. What I see or what you see determines what I think, which determines what I get. That's a fact. I said, that's a fact. And basically, what I receive in life has the seed of perception in it. That it begins with perception and how I see something determines how I think about something that determines most of the time what I'm going to receive out of that, how I see. How do you see your life? How do you see your future? How do you see the future for your family? How many know that perception is huge? It's not always reality, but it's huge in how I think and how I act. You know, once again, there are a lot of uh, people uh, acting crazy and loony and they're fear-filled. How many know the facts are, yes, there's a lot of unsettling things in our nation? You better believe it. There are frightening things. I hear it daily. Terrifying things happening everywhere you look. You look at something crazy. I mean, we got the economic uh, upheaval, food, uh, prices increase. Uh, there's a burden on people. They can't make ends meet. And uh, now we're finding that, you know, it's possibly the FBI is targeting uh, conservatives. There's the homeless tent crisis. And then, then there's the avalanche of the drug use and trafficking fentanyl. What? There's a crisis crime skyrocketing in, in major cities. And then just recently, the CDC reports that over 100,000 drug overdoses happened last year alone in the United States. Wow. Now we got campus shootings, random toxic train derailments in communities. Now objects in the sky, some say UFOs, I don't know. Chinese spy balloons traversing our country, taking pictures of everything. US F-35 jets intercept Russian fighter aircraft two times in two days and nobody knows what's going on. That was going through my mind. What's going on in America? What do you see? God, where are you? Why don't you act, Lord? You know, it's easy to adopt a fatalistic, defeated mindset. But I'm reminded of the patience of the Lord. Somebody say patience. You know, God's patience is different than my patience. My, my patience in Walmart, more than four minutes waiting in line, Come on, somebody. <laughs> Where are you? You know, I've been patient. You know, give me the manager after four minutes. <laughs> but God's patience goes on for decades, years, generation. He has, he has long suffering. Uh, watch this verse, 2 Peter. 2 Peter, the Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act. God's delay doesn't mean he's unable to act. He's not slow about his promises, some count slowness, but is extraordinarily patient towards you. Wow. Not wishing that what? Any should perish, but somebody shout all. All that is his heart. His heart is for all to come to repentance. Can you say amen? 
Isaiah 12, 2. Behold God, my salvation, I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and song. Yes, he has become my salvation. I'm talking about heaven's perspective. Seeing God's perspective. A verse here in Genesis 13. Quickly, Genesis 13, verses 14 to 17. Abraham was just handed second-rate property. Uh, Lot looked around, and Abraham said, you choose. If you want to go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you want to go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looks around and goes, this is the best area, and he took it. So Abraham went the other way. So you could think about that. In that moment, Abraham got the short end of the stick. He got the trash land, and Lot got the really nice land. He may have been thinking that, but immediately God speaks to him and says this. After Lot was gone, the Lord said to Abraham, look as far as you can see. I love that. You know, if Abraham had a helicopter, he would have gotten up higher. We probably wouldn't have the problem in the Middle East. He probably would have covered, Israel would have been a lot bigger. Look as far as you can see in every direction, for I'm going to give it to you and to all of your descendants. So God told him to look. Somebody shout, look. God cares what we're looking at, what we see in our spiritual mind's eye. And do we have hope? Do we have faith? Do we look to him? How many with me say amen? He says, I'm going to give this to you as far as you can see. In other words, lift up your eyes. Look and see from this place where you are standing. Friends, that is God's perspective for our life. God's perspective for our life. Looking, expansion, provision. Hosea 12, 2, talking about Jacob when he wrestled with the angel. There's another uh, verse in Genesis about this. But Hosea brings out, he said, Jacob wrestled with an angel and won. Then with tears in his eyes, he asked for a blessing, and God spoke to us there. How many know that Jacob was known as a trickster? He was known as a con artist, and he wrestled with the angel, and he prevailed, and he cried out for him to bless him, and his name was changed from, from Jacob to Israel, a prince with God, one who prevails. Friends, God sees us as he determines for us to be, but not in our present struggles, our present weaknesses, or frustrations. God sees us at the end result. The end result, that's how God looks at you. Not in your struggle right now, not in your, you know what, if I could just, you know, if I can just get a handle on this and get control of this here, if I can get victory in this, God sees the end result. Some of you don't believe that. I'm gonna continue to develop it. David fights against Goliath. <laughs> the scripture says, in 1 Samuel 17, number of verses, but I'll just paraphrase. Goliath's name in the Hebrew reflects exposure. It actually means to uncover or reveal. I want you to think about that and think about what's happening in America today. One commentator says this. He says, and this suggests about Goliath's name, that Goliath's name reflects the giant's propensity to expose Israel's weakness, watch this, and his intention to remove them from the land. And this removal may be removal of their culture and wisdom and godly tradition. So Goliath comes on the scene to remove all of God out of the children of Israel and put them in bondage. Come on, is that not happening in America today? That is the, the enemy. Rather than the physical Israelites, he goes on to say the name Goliath does not mean giant. It means expose, to expo an exposure. And actually in its root, it means rapist. That's what the name Goliath. And that's what the enemy has been unleashed on America to expose and to just 
pilfer our country, but we're not going to let it happen. I said, we're not going to let it happen. We're going to see God move in our nation like never before. Can you say amen? Now, I want you to notice in, in verse 17, uh, excuse me, in 1 Samuel 17, Goliath challenged the Israelites every morning and every evening for 40 days. So he got up at a certain time, watch this, and then at night he came out at a certain time, and David shows up on the scene and says, is there not a cause? And, and he hears what he's spewing out. And I thought about as I began to read and dig a little bit deep that Goliath came and watch this, he spoke at the time that the Israelites would pray Shema. In the morning and in the evening. I had a chance to go to Israel uh, for the uh, uh, 40-year uh, celebration of the nation in 1988, their 40th year. And uh, one of the Bible school uh, scholars there, uh, Dr. Wiseman, he taught us the Shema. And he would sing uh, the Shema, which is based on Deuteronomy 6. And Shema Israel, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Echad. In other words, our God is one God. He is Lord of all. Can somebody say amen? Hear, O Israel, God is our Lord. And so they would pray that, and in that moment, here comes Goliath. What does that tell me today? When you rally and get up and say, you know what, it's time for change, and you begin to seek the Lord, the enemy is right there. He is right there to stop you. He is right there. Don't think just like, well, I got up to try to read my word today, try to get in my verse or chapter or whatever. Ah, you know, Satan fights that. He fight, come on, church. He fights that over your life. He, fight, he does not want you to draw near to God. He doesn't want you passionate about the things of God. He doesn't want you serving the true and living God. He doesn't want that. So he fights it. He hates it when you pray. He hates it when you read, God, read God's word. He hates it when you worship. Well, we know the story that David, he picked up these stones and he ran back and forth, one commentator says. And so Goliath had to lift his head away from the shield, from his shield bearer, and find out what's going on. Where, what is this kid doing? It's just a, like a dead dog. I'm going to feed you to the animals. You send out a kid. And he takes a stone out of his, uh, 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 out of his bag, and he, he, he throws it, he slings it, and he kills Goliath. And I think about that. For, for 40 days, the whole army of Israel, watch this, was in fear in dread, and looking at the wrong thing. Watch this. David shows up under the power of the Spirit, and in the midst of a fearful and dreadful future, he sees something different. <laughs> he sees what? He sees the spot on the forehead. The one place that's not protected. Everybody saw the armor, his height, his massiveness, his muscles, and he sees, I see the what? Who showed him that? God showed him that. His Father in heaven showed him the weakness of the enemy. And I really believe God is revealing to churches for their cities. You know, every city has a stronghold. Every, certain cities have certain strongholds. You travel, certain go, you go, this feels like there's a stronghold in the city of this. There's rampant divorce. There's immorality. There's the occult. There's crime. There's, there's children that are, you know, dropouts from school. Every city has a, where demons wreak havoc. But God will show the spot, the one spot for a church that begins to see things differently. I said, see things differently. He'll show them the weakness to take down that enemy. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're responding. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, the forehead, the weakness, the weakness, the Holy Spirit. Psalm 2 says, why do the nations plan rebellion? Why do the people make their useless plots, the king's revolt, their rulers plot against the Lord and against the king he chose? Let us free ourselves from their rule. They say, let us throw off their control. From his throne in heaven, the Lord laughs and mocks at their feeble plans. God laughs and mocks of the foolishness of the enemy. And so, church, what do you see through your eyes of faith? What do you see in the natural? What do you see? Do you see faith or do you see fear? Do you see dread or do you see opportunity? What do you see? Sometimes I walk around and if someone's doing something a little bit crazy, I say, well, I see bad things. Yeah. <laughs> and it served me well because I'm like, you better not climb that tree, kid. You know, you better watch out. That branch could break or don't do that on that bicycle trying to bunny hop, you know, whatever. And I'll say, I see bad things. And at times it served me well, but at times it's hindered me in my life. I can be calculating. I can t- I'll take risks, but I'm not reckless. I'm just not reckless. When I'm convinced and I'm assured, I'm 100% in. My bent, though, is cautiousness, and I'm prudent in my personality, or I could say pragmatic, or reasonable at times. And, and, and so, so there's this pessimistic bent that I always have to throw off. And God gave me my wife that helps me with that, to see things differently. Can I get an amen? But, you know, we need to take charge of our thoughts. And no matter what our personality is, what our bent is, we need to have heaven's perspective over our life. Let me give you another story here. Very quickly, I'm almost done. Judges 6.12, we know the story about Gideon. And here's the thing, Gideon I can relate to because Gideon was probably pessimistic. He was a little cautious. In Judges 6.12, it says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What if God showed up and said that to you tomorrow morning, right there where you're folding laundry, you know, where you're vacuuming? God is with you, mighty warrior. And then so my interpretation would be like this. Gideon's response was, "Uh, hello, please don't take this wrong. But if the Lord is with us, why has all of these bad things happened to us? Where are all his wonders? Where are all his miracles that our ancestors told us about? When they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. He actually gave an honest, correct assessment of his present situation, right? But you know what? I love how the angel of the Lord says this. The Lord turned to him and said, go in this strength of yours. What strength is that? That's the strength of frustration. That's the strength of I've had enough. That's the strength I'm not going to see things through the natural perspective. I'm going to see things through heaven's perspective. Say, go in this strength of yours. Save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Well, that was he sent him. The Bible says in John 20, 21, that the work has been accomplished, uh, but there's still work to be done. So send I you, every single one of you, God is sending. Can you say amen? And so even with that, God speaking that encouraging word, he still needed two more fleeces. Please make the fleece wet and the ground dry. Please make the ground wet and the fleece dry. And you know what? God didn't rebuke him with that. He didn't rebuke him. <clears throat> so that day, God worked with his personality. But, but that day, last week on the beach in Florida, 
I felt the Lord say this. He said, Mike, what do you see for Church for the Harvest in the next 10 years? And immediately I went to default. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Come on, somebody. Amen. Lord, Lord, your will be done. Not my will. Lord, we want your will here at Harvest. You know, what do you want? The Lord said, I said, what do you see for the church? for the next 10 years. Lord, your kingdom, your, your will be done, not my will. I said, what do you want to see? Okay. I started typing. <laughs> I, see, I see children's church, kids zero to 10 years old in our church grown over the next 10 years, now teenagers worshiping and playing on the worship team, going on missions, can I get an amen? Going on missions trips, sent from this church, getting involved in their local schools, government and community. I see families struggling to make ends meet, prospering like never before. I see couples who have given up on ever owning a home. Never, it's not gonna happen, having their own home, inviting you over in their home, having dinner. Hallelujah. I see couples who are barren, not able to have kids, God giving them children of their own or either through adoption. I see singles that love God who make decisions now to keep themselves pure sexually until marriage. That's what I see. I see God bringing in their spouse in the church for them across their path while they're serving and loving God in this house. Can I get an amen? I see the hatred and anger, the racism between fellow Americans being washed away by God's love and his presence in their hearts, in their lives. I see that. I see white, black, Asian, Hispanic, Native Americans all getting along, hanging out with each other, hanging out with their families during special occasions and events, loving each other in Jesus' name. So, oh, Pastor Mike, you're living in a dream world. No, I'm not. But in one sense, I am. I am living in a dream world. It's the dream world of heaven's perspective. Heaven's perspective. I see for this church, for your family, this city, this state, this nation, that the dream world is called the kingdom of God on earth. Stand with me if you would, please. I don't see black against white or vice versa. I don't see a progressive hate-filled agenda forced upon our society and children. No, I see Christians loving one another. calls those things that be not as though they were. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that are not. I'm calling things into existence that may not be apparent right now, but I declare them over harvest in your life. Can I get an amen? 
So what do you believe in God for? What's the wonder? What's that discovery that you haven't discovered yet? We still serve a God that can move mountains. I said we still serve a God that can move mountains. Proverbs 13, 12 says, When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. But a wish, a desire come true fills you with joy. That's what I see for Church for the Harvest. I was actually reading this this morning in Mark chapter 2. Jesus heals the lame man who was sick of the palsy and he was paralyzed. And you know the story. They ripped open the roof and they, because they couldn't get in and they dropped him down. And it says this. It says, Jesus saw their faith. Faith is action. I said, faith is action. Faith is decision. They couldn't get in, seemed hopeless, and they climbed on the roof for their buddy, and they ripped it open, and they dropped this guy down, and Jesus heals them. And this is what happens. He says, they were all, in verse 12, amazed and glorified God, and they said, saying, we never saw such a thing. That's my heart for this church over the next 10 years, at least. Stuff's going to happen within our midst that you never saw happen before. I declare it. I believe it for our church. And I looked up, and one commentator said this, word for word, this thing about they were all amazed and glorified God. It says, word for word, they were past themselves. They were out of their wits. <laughs> they were past themselves, and they were out of their wits. In other words, this stuff is blowing my mind away. We've never experienced anything like this. That's the God we serve. Oh, some of you feel like you're twice dead plucked over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard that before. Mm -hmm. God is moving, and he's stirring us up. He's stirring us up to dare to believe him, to be a place that his presence is manifest in Jesus' name, every head bowed. I believe God is asking each of you today, what do you want to see happen? What do you want to see happen? In your house, in your family, your children, in a, the public schools, and the businesses, in your marriage, in this city, the state, in America. Friends, we need to believe God again. We serve a God that can still move mountains. As I conclude here, I want to just conclude when I think of the story about Moses when his back's to the sea and Pharaoh's army is in hot pursuit. And he does something that I can totally relate to. He falls down on the ground and begins to cry out to God. Oh God, help us. God, help us. God, if you can do anything, if you're anywhere in the area, God, please help us. And God says this, stop crying. Get up. Stand up. Stretch forth your staff. Command the seas. But it's just a stick, but it's anointed by God. Friends, we're just sticks connected to the vine. But when the stick is connected to the vine, it's anointed by God. I said it's anointed by God. Sticks connected to the vine. And he declares and gets up. What do you see? What do you see? Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. But I believe God is declaring and he wants us to see things differently as a church. To not see dread. To not see fear. To not see collapse. To not see the enemy getting the upper hand in our nation. Destroying cities. Destroying all our rights. Can't share the gospel anymore. No, 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 no. I see God. I see God moving. 
I see God moving in miracles. I see God moving in your family. I see God moving in your life if you believe him, if you dare to believe him. With every head bowed here this morning, I want to do a prayer for salvation for those that are not right with God. But there's a song I want to go off on a high note <laughs> that I've asked the worship team to practice and they did this week and that I believe is a prophetic declaration for each and every one of you this week. This song is a prophetic declaration. But let me just pray right now. You're here this morning. Is it, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I, I'm really, God forbid, a I died to die. I don't have that assurance of salvation. I, I, I need God. I need God. Let me pray with you that you can make Christ Lord of your life, that you would have that assurance of salvation today, right there where you're at, or maybe you're listening online, that you could be born again and begin the journey with heaven's perspective over your life. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. For my sin, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. Fill me with your presence. Jesus, I make a decision to make you Lord of my life. I'm saved. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. Now take it. In Jesus' name. Amen.